Representative Ryan, and good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'd like to begin today's forum by first thanking for their participation, the two candidates who are each seeking to become Frederick County's second county executive since our move to charter government eight years ago. Also want to thank fellow Rotarians for organizing and contributing questions for today's forum, and thank all of you who are guests today for your participation as well. We appreciate you all being part of this. A quick overview of our format. We'll jump right into an introduction and then questions. Uh, Rotary Club of Frederick members developed questions based on topics of their interest and concern. General topics were given to each candidate in advance. Each candidate will be able to respond to each question without interruption from the other within a time limit of two minutes. Bill Berkheimer, right up front here, is our official timer. We have a technology-proof system of holding up pieces of paper that will give them a time countdown. Uh, and in the event Phil's watch stops, uh, he'll do the 1-1000, 1 uh, We have microphones for each of the candidates as well, and we thank Duchess for arranging that. Uh, once each candidate has been given their time to respond, there will be an opportunity for a one-minute rebuttal. Again, each given the opportunity to share their thoughts without interruption. Uh, we'll rotate the first speaker for each question. Candidates will be given three minutes for an opening statement in just a second, and they will introduce themselves. And this process will repeat at the end of the forum in reverse order uh, with closing remarks of two minutes each. A coin flip we did just a few moments ago has determined our starting order. Uh, and so without further ado, uh, we will ask for opening statements. I will ask both of our candidates to come forward first to the stools here. Okay, I think we're all set. And so uh, again, with a three minute uh, opening statement uh, to introduce themselves, talk about their experience and their vision for Frederick County, uh, the coin flip has determined that Senator Mike Huff goes first. Well, thank you for having me here today, and uh, a little bit of feedback here. Uh, I really appreciate. Uh, You're okay. You're fine. We're good. All right. Really appreciate this big crowd. There's a lot of interest in this, which is exciting to see. Just a little bit of background about myself. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, coming out of high school. <laughs> what, what do we? What do you guys think? Hold it lower. All right, now can you all still hear me? I got a loud voice anyway, so this is, this is a problem when you go first, you're the test bunny, but that's okay. So uh, a little bit of background about myself, uh, coming out of high school, uh, actually I was not the most academically inclined student. I had a 2.0 average, but the thing that really saved me was vocational education. I signed up and I was learning to become an auto mechanic. I spent two years in auto tech, and when I was interning actually at Chriswell Chevrolet, learning to become an auto mechanic, I decided to take an aptitude test for the United States military. And the Air Force came back to me and they said, hey, you're, you're actually, you're very smart and your mechanical scores are very high. And so I, I decided, I'd always been a patriotic person. I, was, I, I learned uh, at a young age to love this country. And so I joined the United States Air Force right out of high school. And it was the best thing I did. For somebody that was not you know, super involved in high school, didn't do my best, the military turned me right around because I became a Minuteman III missile technician. For those who don't know what that is, those are the missiles that are down in the silos. And so I was uh, working on nuclear weapons. I was working on rocket engines that could be very deadly. I had a top secret clearance. So I've been a leader really since the age of 18 because I had to grow up real fast in that situation. I came back here with my wife, Jo. She's originally from North Dakota. We've got three kids now. And the first job that I had was I actually worked up the street here at Sears. I sold washers and dryers. So when people ask me, is it tough selling yourself as a politician? I say, if I can sell an extended warranty, a five-year extended warranty at washer and dryer, I can sell almost anything. So that's how I worked my way through uh, college, selling washers and dryers. It has been the honor and privilege of my life to be the state senator for this area. I feel like I've been a very effective state senator. I've done a lot of big things for this county. For example, I passed the largest criminal justice reform in the history of the state of Maryland. That meant that we reduced incarceration for nonviolent offenders. We increased incarceration for violent offenders, people that are really hurting people. And we provided record amounts of money for drug treatment, record amounts of money for mental health. 
And so with that, uh, I have a number of things. I brought money back for Emmitsburg and Brunswick, parts of my district. I'm running though for county executive because I grew up in Montgomery Village. And when I grew up there in the 1980s, 90s, it was a nice place to live. It saddens me to say it is not a nice place to live anymore. And I don't want to see this county make the same mistakes that Montgomery County made as far as not being a safe place to live, traffic congestion, overdevelopment, all those problems. And you see, I meet people every day that we moved here from Germantown, we moved here from Gaithersburg. You may have heard the slogan, but I mean it. It comes from my heart because I've seen it firsthand. I don't want to see the terrible policies of Montgomery County destroy this great county. And now a three minute. three-minute opening statement from council member Jessica Fitzwater. Testing? Okay. Um, my name is Jessica Fitzwater and I'm so excited to be running to be your next Frederick County Executive. I am a 16-year elementary music teacher here in Frederick County, a two-term leader on the Frederick County Council with eight years of experience in our local government, and I'm a mom of two. My son Jonah is six, a first grader at North Frederick Elementary School, and my daughter Jane is three. I am running for Frederick County Executive because I believe that everyone here deserves the opportunity to live, work, and thrive in our beautiful community. I might be a little biased, but Frederick County is the best county in the state of Maryland. We have great schools, a thriving economy, a rich history, and a bright future. And I'm so honored to have been part of a lot of progress that we have made over the past eight years. Now, I first ran for office back in 2014 to be on the county council, um, really to speak up for students in schools. At the time, we had a board of county commissioners that was funding our public schools at not a penny over the bare minimum required by law for years. We, our new teachers were the lowest paid in the state. They cut Head Start um, completely, which helps our most needy students and their families, and long-standing uh, partnerships with our community nonprofits that really make a big difference in our community. At the same time, approving rampant residential development and suburban sprawl, which has led to overcrowded schools and congested roads. The good news is, over the past eight years, we've approved a visionary, award-winning plan called Livable Frederick that is truly a blueprint for how we can grow in a balanced and smart way that benefits our, our small businesses, our families, and protects the environment along the way. I'm proud to have been a champion of that as we move forward into the future. You know, when I first ran for office, I was knocking on a lot of doors, and, and especially around Oakdale, where I taught for many years, and got to see former students who were a lot taller uh, than I remembered, um, but really getting to hear from them about where their education had taken them, um, having kindergartners tell me, why was your face in my mailbox, or why is your name in somebody's yard, and I did have one student who asked if I was now the president, um, because I won in 2014, that was very cute, um, but you know, having, having their enthusiasm and the support from their families really says a lot about what it means for someone like me, a teacher who's dedicated their entire career to public service, to be running for a position like county executive. We have so much going for us here in this county, so much progress to build upon, and I am thrilled to take my skills, my tenacity, my you know problem solving and collaboration, building common ground, and making sure that we can move forward together. That's the kind of leadership that we need here in Frederick County, and I'm excited to talk more about the issues that you all care about and how we can move forward together. Thank you both for your opening statements and for our audience uh, let's give them one more round of applause right now for their participation and then hold any additional applause to the end of our forum today so let's thank you again we'll be rotating the order with the questions uh, so Ms. Fitzwater will get the first uh, answer to this question uh, our topic is uh, your desire to transition from legislator to executive. Each of you has been serving in part-time legislative roles in state and local government. Uh, Ms. Fitzwater is a member of the County Council. Mr. Huff is a state was a state delegate, more recently state senator. In many respects, running the county is akin to being CEO of a three-quarter of a billion dollar corporation and then thus different from being a legislator where voters primarily focus on your policy views. Our question for each of you is, please explain the skill sets and experience you possess to be able to make the transition to full-time executive, 
and considering the skill sets you have, can you name a type of major business or similar sized organization that you think would hire you as its CEO? This fits one. Two minutes. Look, I have been a leader on the county council for two terms, and I've been in charter government since its inception. County Executive Jan Garner, myself, county council members, MC Keegan-Air, and Jerry Donald, we've been there from the beginning, and let me tell you, we've had some growing pains. If you've watched any of our meetings over the years, you probably might know what I'm talking about. We were really building the plane as we were flying it, figuring out how we we're going to implement this new charter. And I've been there every step of the way, making sure that we have processes that the public can engage in, making sure that we're responsive and that we're responding to all the constituent concerns that come to the county. Um, I know how local government works, and I know how to target areas for improvement. You know, I am a teacher, as you all know, and I was recently having a discussion with a local business owner. He owns a lot of properties in downtown Frederick, and he, we were talking about the race. I was trying to see if he had his mind made up yet, and he said, you're a teacher, right, Jessica? And I said, yes. And he said, let me tell you, when I have a stack of business plans in front of me, people wanting to lease my space, if I see one that's from a teacher, it goes right to the top of the pile. Teachers know how to plan, they get things done, they're adaptive and they're flexible, and they follow through. And then he said, and I know that if you can handle all the stakeholders of the many, many kids in your classroom and the parents and their concerns and your administrators, that you can handle anything that comes your way in Winchester Hall. Teachers bring a unique skill set. Parents bring a unique skill set. And when you couple that with my eight years of being a legislative leader on the council, finding common ground when, it, when bills were going to fail, we had a bill um, to protect our forests. And I reached across the aisle to one of my Republican colleagues. We brought a work group of environmentalists and developers and builders together, and we passed legislation that held developers accountable and also made sure to increase our forest cover. That type of collaboration is what we need, people who know how to build relationships and get things done. That's the experience that I bring to this position. Mr. Huff, two minutes for the same question. Please explain the skill sets and experience you possess to be able to make the transition to full-time executive. And considering those skill sets, can you name a type of business or organization you think would hire you as its CEO? Sure. Well, currently right now I do have a job outside being a state senator. A state senator, we are citizen legislators, part-time job. I'm actually a chief of staff on Capitol Hill, so that means there are 21 employees that report to me. There's a budget of roughly $1.7 million that I oversee, three different offices in different locations. So I do actually have five years experience running an organization. As I mentioned, I've been a leader since the time I was 18 years old when I was in the United States Air Force. One of the things that troubles me currently, though, with the, with the system of government, having served as a state legislator in Annapolis, having served as a chief of staff on Capitol Hill, I've seen how an executive branch and legislative branch are supposed to interact. There is supposed to be a check and balance. We lack that right now with the charter government. Unfortunately, our county council has been essentially a rubber stamp for the last eight years for the county executive. There has been no push and pull, no back and forth like they're supposed to be. If you look at the last four years' budgets, there wasn't a single cut out of three of the four years to that budget. That's not right. When I travel around and the, the councilwoman and I have sat at forums together with farmers and others where they have complained and they've been upset about the permitting process and how small businesses have been treated, and the answer is the county council can't do anything about it. I find that wrong. This government is not working like it's supposed to. I can tell you as a state senator, if a secretary or somebody else is mistreating a constituent, we'd have a hearing. We could bring them up there. We could withhold budget funds to them. So I do not think the charter government has functioned as it should. Because in a government, you have an executive branch and a legislative branch. And there has not been leadership. And there has not been a differentiation between the executive branch and legislative branch in this government. There will now be one minute rebuttal from each candidate beginning with Ms. Fitzwater. Well, I haven't seen Senator Huff at any of our council meetings, um, so I'm not sure if he's really seen some of the push and pull that has happened. You know, we are a uh, bipartisan council. We The first term I was in was four Republicans, three Democrats. Now there's four Democrats and three Republicans. And I'm very grateful that our current council, we really debate the issues. We listen to each other, we uh, push each other, and we get each other to see things from different perspectives sometimes, which is really important. You know, 
constituent service, how we respond to concerns from our residents is so important. And that's something that I will ensure is a priority in the county executive's office and, and improving communication between the two branches. You know, our current county executive, Jan Gardner, was exactly the right person for us to elect for our, our first county executive. We have a AAA bond rating from every rating agency and we're one of only 40 few counties in the entire nation that has that. So we have, we have moved forward with fiscal responsibility and I'm proud to have been a part of that. But those of you who have watched some of our meetings or been to some of our events, you know that I don't always agree with the current county executive. I ask questions and I push too. And that's the kind of collaboration, um, civil conversation and push and pull that we do need in county government. And I've been part of that for the past eight years. And now one minute for Mr. Huck. The, the business people in this room know that the permitting process is broken. It's been broken. People in this room know that the bureaucracy, it's been strangulation by regulation. They know that they've not had a county council stand up for them. The councilwoman and I sat in, in a meeting with farmers, and they came to us repeatedly and told us the problems that they're having. Frederick County is one of the worst for agritourism. Frederick County has refused to sign on to state legislation, state legislation to help our farmers. Here's just a note. This is a farm. I live in Brunswick. This is a farm out, uh, out by me, off 340. And they, they went out of business. They lost their farm. It's a lack of compassion, understanding, empathy, and concern by county planning, permitting, zoning, county leadership that drives folks like us out. We lost over $150,000 in paperwork. So when the county executive and, the county, and the, the county departments are treating people this way, where has the county council been? There's been no leadership. They've been a rubber stamp for these uh, bad permitting and anti-small business uh, moves the last eight years. Our next topic is about fiscal responsibility. County budget grew substantially from $717 million in fiscal 22 to $793 million in fiscal 23. And by comparison, the fiscal 20 budget was $639 million. The concept of adjusting property tax rates to generate a constant yield is not gaining traction at this time. Number of county employees is also growing steadily, now up to 2,679. Uh, the question for each of you, how do you view this spending? Is it too much? or inadequate to meet county needs. Please explain your plan to be fiscally responsible steward of Frederick County's finances. And we begin uh, this answer with two minutes for Mr. Hump. Well, thank you very much. I think the county government has grown too much since we went to a charter form of government. If you look at the population of Frederick County has grown somewhere around 13% over the last eight years, whereas the county government has grown by about 50%. We've added 700 new positions to county employment. And just for you, those of you out there, I would ask, are the roads that you drive on any better? My kids have been going to an overcrowded school the whole time they've been there. Where's all this extra funding go to? So I think it's been too much, but where's the money coming from? It's coming from you, out of your pockets. The county government, they'll argue, we haven't raised your tax rate. They know your assessments have gone up and they know you're paying more. Go home, here's a simple exercise. Pull out your county tax bills for the last five years. You know what you'll see? That they've gone up by hundreds of dollars every year. If you're like me, if you live in the city of Brunswick, if you live in the city of Frederick, you're paying double. So you're paying more. I can tell you over the last four years, my property tax has gone up by 25%. And guess what? The members of the county council, their own property taxes have gone up. The, the councilwoman, her tax bill has gone up by 14%. It's all public information. You can look and see where people's taxes have gone up. Right now, people are hurting. Inflation is the highest been in 40 years. People are living off of savings accounts. They're living off of credit cards. And if you're living off credit cards, the Fed's about to raise the interest rate today. So it's really difficult on people. You got a county government that the last two years had $120 million in surpluses and still went to you and raised your property taxes. I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong during time of COVID when businesses were locked down, during time of record inflation where people are hurting, where senior citizens can't get by or are forced to leave this county, that we are still raising property taxes. It has to stop. As county executive, I will freeze property taxes. So people who want to live in this county, who grew up in this county, who made this county, can stay in this county. Now two minutes for Ms. Fitzwater. How do you view this spending? Is it too much or inadequate to meet county needs? Please explain your plan to be fiscally responsible steward of Frederick County's finances. 
Thank you. As I mentioned, we have a AAA bond rating from all three rating agencies, and that makes a massive difference in your tax dollars. We are able to save taxpayers millions of dollars in interest rates and how we do our, our um, debt and our bonds because of our AAA bond rating. You know, we had a surplus uh, this year, and a lot of that was due to some of the federal money coming. Um, it's something that we've seen replicated at the state level. Governor Hogan just announced a $2.8 billion surplus for the state of Maryland. But where did we invest that? We invested that in reserves so that we can continue to earn that AAA bond rating. We invested that in school construction to make sure that we don't have overcrowded schools in the future that are the result of the growth that was approved by the Republican board previously. You know, we also invested that in doing a property tax rebate back to the property, uh, back to the taxpayers of Frederick County. You know, my opponent talks a lot about the constant yield and freezing taxes. Well, he's been in the state Senate all this time. I haven't seen him pass any or bring forward any legislation to make the state of Maryland talk about going back to the constant yield. Um, he's voted for budgets this year. This year's budget at the state of Maryland went up over 15% supported by Senator Huff. Here in Frederick County, our budget only went up 10.4% at a time where inflation is 8%. So really, pretty a pretty reasonable increase when you think about how, that we're the fastest growing county in the state of Maryland, and there are so many residents coming to this county. Look, we have made record investments in public education, finally getting a better salary for our educators. We've moved forward on school construction at such a huge pace, never seen before, with many new schools, building parks and libraries, things that people really want to see in our community. You know, I'm the only candidate who's actually cut taxes. We cut our income tax rate last year by 7% for families that make $100,000 or less per year. And by the way, that is about 60% of, of income tax filers in front County. Um, we are making a big difference. We are fiscally responsible. We're, we're recognized nationally for it, and I will take that approach forward to make sure that we can continue to have a thriving Frederick County. Now, one minute rebuttal from Mr. Huff. Well, well, thank you. I actually do have a position on the constant yield. And, and so just, you know, the legal definition of the constant yield is if you keep the rate the same and the assessments go up, it's what you have to lower to so people don't pay the more. Pay more. So, after years of this county government raising property taxes, they actually came to the state delegation and asked us to change the law so that the public would not be notified anymore when they don't adopt the constant yield when they raise your taxes. So just in summary, there's a little newspaper clipping that says the county council is about to vote to raise your property taxes. This county government came to us and said, stop publishing that. We don't want you to publish that anymore. I said, this is outrageous. First off, you need to stop raising people's taxes. But second off, if you're going to do it, you need to at least own it. And the county government came to us and they pushed through and I'm glad to say it did not pass in Annapolis. We defeated that. It didn't move forward. But Frederick County was pushing and the county council voted for to high tax increases, the property tax increases from the public. And one minute follow up from Ms. Fitzgerald. Thank you. If that type of notification about constant yield and constant rate, which, by the way, your property tax rate has not increased over the past eight years, um, I'm not sure why the center isn't pushing for the state of Maryland to have to do that same notification for you when the property tax rates and other taxes are going up in the state. Um, I also have not heard my opponent talk about the what services he will cut to our residents if we go back to the constant yield. 13, 14 million dollars cut from the budget, where is that going to come from? I have spent every year working for Frederick County families. I've been to our Department of Public Works to see the shape of some of our vehicles. I've been to some of our other departments that are outgrowing their space. I look through that budget every year. I hear the appeals coming from our department, from our citizens on what they want and how we have to make difficult decisions. I see all the things that aren't funded every year. So what is going to be cut um, if we go back to the constant yield? We move on to the topic of the Sugarloaf Treasured Landscape Management Plan. For those of you not familiar with this plan, it's part of major county master planning process known as the Local Frederick, which has been established over the last seven years by County Executive Jan Gardner's administration. The Sugarloaf Area Plan encompasses the 20,000 acres, including and surrounding Sugarloaf Mountain. Proponents of the plan say that the area is threatened with overdevelopment and that steps must be taken to protect and enhance the Sugarloaf area's natural resources and environmental assets. The plan proposes significant zoning overlay changes and new restrictions to the current agricultural and conservation uses within this region. Our members note that over the course of the last 40 years, Frederick County's comprehensive planning process has never identified the region southwest of the Urbana exit on I-270 as one for future residential or business development. 
It appears that a significant percentage of large landowners and users of agricultural and conservation properties, including the owners of Sugarloaf Mountain and Little Palms Water Gardens, are adamantly opposed to the proposed changes. So our question, uh, we have a couple of questions on this topic for each of you. Uh, Ms. Fitzwater will answer first, and the question is, do you believe the area is threatened with overdevelopment, or as some suggest, is such talk a tactic to gain more control over land use in the region? That was a lot. <laughs> um, so I heard some interesting grumbles and moans out there when the Sugarloaf Plan came up. So I guess people have been uh, reading the Frederick News Post because it has been in there quite a bit. Um, Look, the Sugarloaf Plan is our first area plan within the Livable Frederick Master Plan. The Livable Frederick Master Plan has a great vision for Frederick County, that everyone can thrive while feeling a strong place of sense and belonging, and that we finally do growth right here in the county. That we put commercial and employment and residential growth where it belongs, in and around our municipalities, near infrastructure, so that we can continue uh, preserving our ag land and our open spaces. We actually have preserved over 70,000 acres of ag land here in Frederick County we're well on our way to our goal of hundred thousand acres by the year of 2040 in fact I think we're going to get there before then so livable Frederick is truly a blueprint for how we can do this and Sugarloaf is the first plan that the current county executive decided to move forward with I believe it is essential that we preserve the amazing resources down in that area of the county the rural landscapes the beautiful uh, the beautiful view sheds the water quality and the biodiversity it is an important part of our county and our rich history and we want to make sure that we preserve it but we do need to make sure that we're looking at the other priorities in Livable Frederick. We identify I-270 as a potential uh, employment and growth corridor, and we also have the Urbana growth area. The great thing about Livable Frederick is we can actually do it all. So I'm doing what I do every time we have a land use decision before the council, and I am listening. I know that we cannot move forward if we don't have stronghold on board. So I'm glad that we have a public hearing next week where we're going to be hearing from the public about some potential amendments so we can try to find common ground we can't have the result of this plan be that Sugarloaf is closed to the public and I don't think any of my colleagues on the council want to see that happen either it, we must take a smart and balanced approach to growth working with all of our stakeholders that's the approach that I've taken on issues over my course of the past eight years and it's the same lens that I'm looking through as we look at the Sugarloaf plan Mr. Hop, two minutes didn't answer the question <laughs> I think you got the, he's, all right. So it's been my pleasure over the last 12 years in office to represent the Sugarloaf area. And, uh, you know, when, when you talk about it, I like to think of the people, people who, are, who it affects. So I start off, I think, in 2010 when I first started running, and I was going out door to door, and a lot of the areas were rural. And I actually went up to every one of those farms and talked to people. And I went to the McIntosh properties out there. You know, the whole McIntosh family lives out there. They've lived out there for generations. And I look at people who are living there. They have no plan to develop that area. They are taking care of that area. They own beautiful property. And here comes the county government in here. Doesn't work with them. It's not cooperating with them. It's trying to force a bunch of mandates on them. And then you go further out west to Sugarloaf. I met with the Websters. I met with them a couple months ago. You know what they told me? They said the plan now regulates them so bad that they won't even be allowed to have Boy Scout campouts there anymore. Personally, that upset me because my son is a Boy Scout. I just, I thought, what is going on here? We've got county government going after families who have been here for generations, trying to regulate them without working with them. We've got people who've been caretakers, conservationists, who love that mountain, have been taking care of it as a nonprofit, opening it up to the public so people could visit it. And now, because of the county coming in, they're, they're threatening to shut down the mountain because they won't comply with it. That is a broken process. That's why we need different leadership. We can't have any more of the zero-sum game process where it's the government versus the people. I told you in the beginning I worked on criminal justice reform. The reason I bring that up is if you think in America of a topic that is harder to work on than criminal justice reform, you've got issues of you know, race, you've got issues of violent crime. When I did that, I got 47 senators to vote for that. Senators from the right, senators from the left. We worked with the defense attorneys, the prosecutors. It's not easy. It's not easy to work together. What's easy is to jam down, because you got the votes, jam down a plan, jam down a bill. And that's what I don't like in this current process, that longtime residents, in my opinion, are being wronged by it and are not being worked with in a broken process. 
We'll do a one-minute rebuttal uh, from each, and uh, would ask that those members watching on Zoom uh, mute yourselves as we are holding any um, comments or applause till the end of the meeting. And so one minute for rebuttal, Ms. Fitzwater. Thank you. Um, it's easy for uh, my opponent to sit here and talk about this because he's not having to do, to do a vote. I'm on the council right now. Um, and in fact, one of the uh, one of the biggest responsibilities of the county council is land use issues. I've been working on land use issues for the past eight years. So when we talk about these, you know, hot button sort of sound bites of ban high density housing and no more congestion and I'll widen 270. I don't know how he's going to do that by himself, but maybe he's brighter than the rest of us in here. Um, so all of that is easy to say. When you're not actually doing the work of local government and having the meetings with stakeholders, going out to the property owners, of which I have also done, and trying to find common ground and balance. That's what I've been doing for the past eight years, and that is what we will do with Sugarloaf. It has to move through in a way that brings people together, or it's not going to be a successful plan. You've heard me talk about Livable Frederick because I really believe in it, and this is our first plan. It needs to be a success. It needs to be able to conserve the area of the county that we love so much without over-regulating and without compromising the other parts of our plan, the I-270 growth corridor and the Urbana growth area. We are the largest county in the state of Maryland, and so we have the opportunity to do all of this right. We had several other questions related to the Sugarloaf Plan, uh, some of which has been addressed in each of your comments. I'll just consolidate everything into one more, and you don't have to take the whole time so that we can move on to other topics if you feel like you've already addressed it. Uh, this one would go to Mr. Huff first. With many issues left to be resolved, do you think the vote on the Sugarloaf Treasured Landscape Management Plan is being rushed to get it approved before the November election? And in your opinion, should the County Council vote to approve the plan? Why or why not? No, I, I don't want to see the I don't want to see the, the current bill going through as it is because I don't like the fact I don't like the process and when the process is broken when you have people who are longtime landowners longtime conservationists who are not part of the process who feel left out that's not a, a lasting solution going forward you really need a process where all the stakeholders are involved and there is compromise. I don't see that happening right now. I don't see people making efforts to do that. I see a plan that's trying to be driven through and that you've got um, constituents and people coming out or speaking out against it. So I do not think the current uh, process is working for people. It's not working for our constituents. And this is what we've seen time and time again in the county. We've seen the county executive pushing through these, these plans and the county council, in the most part, as I said earlier, acting as a rubber stamp, not speaking out, not speaking out for constituents. You know, there's a county councilman who represents that area, not speaking out for their constituents. In two minutes, Ms. Fitzwater. Thank you. Um, look, the state law requires that the county council has 90 days with this plan. So we have to make a decision within 90 days per the state. That's not something that the council decided. That's something that the state of Maryland decided. So our we, we have multiple choices, which is we remand it to the planning commission, we approve parts of it, we approve it with amendments, or we approve it as it's written. Um, I think if you've been paying attention to this process, you have seen council members asking many, many questions, holding extra meetings, um, making sure we have ample time for public comment so that we can make the best decision possible. But this timeline is not something that the council got any control over, it's the state of Maryland. And by the way, I do take issues Issue with being continually called a rubber stamp you know my opponent has been a rubber stamp on things in, in Annapolis as well um, he will say that he is support supported and voted for the blueprint for Maryland's future and the built to learn act for that will bring millions of dollars back to Frederick County students and schools um, but the governor vetoed those bills and he knew it was going to happen and conveniently didn't vote to repeal or to overturn the veto. So that was millions of dollars choosing not to come back to Frederick County, rubber stamping the actions of the governor. One minute, Mr. Huff. Well, I, I'm proud to have worked with Governor Hogan. Uh, I'm proud to be endorsed by him. I think he's an excellent leader uh, the way he's run the state of Maryland. And I think you see a contrast in that Governor Hogan is somebody that worked across party lines. He worked with people that may not have agreed with him all the time. And he brought people together. That's much different than the process we're talking about today. It's much different than we have landowners, business people who are involved in this process and they feel like their voices are not heard and they're being mowed down. I don't agree with that. I think because my opponent brought up Larry Hogan, I think he's an excellent example of leadership 
that I would try to mimic as county executive. Somebody who's in a purple county, we're not a red county, we're not a blue county, somebody that is hyper-focused on the issues of the county, listening to constituents, and working on the issues that matter, working on roads, working on schools, working on tax relief, working on having a balanced approach, a holistic approach looking to growth. Not going down in small areas of the county and picking fights with all the landowners. Let's come up with a good plan for growth going forward. In one minute, Ms. Fitzwater. Being on the county council for the past eight years has required me to work in a bipartisan fashion. And anyone who has seen our meetings knows that I have voted with many of my Republican colleagues, especially these past four years, as often as I have with my Democratic colleagues. We very rarely have had any four or three votes that are straight party line because we listen to each other, we listen to our constituents, and we work together to build common ground. And that's what we have to do. Um, I am, I've been very interested over the past uh, several months how my opponent has somehow become a moderate Republican in line with Governor Hogan um, because that's very out of step with things that I've seen him say, um, things he shared on social media and the votes that he's taken in Annapolis on matters that really affect Frederick County families. We'll move on now to the topic of immigration and your position on the 287G program. Uh, the Immigration and Nationality Act became law as part of the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996. Through the 287G program, state and local law enforcement officers collaborate with the federal government to enforce federal immigration laws. Please explain your position on Frederick County's participation in the program. Uh, we begin this one with uh, Ms. Fitzwater, two minutes. Thank you. Um, the 287G program deputizes our corrections officers to perform the functions of ICE. And um, I have been a critic of this program, it's not a surprise, um, because it really has a chilling effect on our community. Um, one of my first actions as a council member was to champion the repeal of the official English ordinance that the previous board had put in place. And I partnered with the Chamber of Commerce and business owners across the county on that effort because we were having trouble attracting employees and employees to Frederick County because of the negative impact and the unwelcoming stain that that ordinance put on Frederick County. The 287G program is very similar. It affects businesses' ability to attract employees and employers to our community, and it also makes many members of our community feel un unsafe actually calling for help if they need it. Over 15,000 local law enforcement agencies exist across this country, and less than 200 of them uh, participate in the 287G program. So that really puts us out of step with national leaders in law enforcement. Um, it's not something that I, that I uh, support, but it is a policy of the Sheriff's Office, and as I'm sure you all know, the county executive does not have the role or ability to uh, implement policies within the Sheriff's Office. So it's not something that I have the ability or intent on shutting down. It is a, and our current Sheriff has made clear his position on the program, um, but I do not believe that it is what is best for Frederick County families. Mr. Huff, two minutes. Yeah, thank you. I think it's very important to explain what the 287G program is. If you're somebody who's arrested in Frederick County and you're arrested for an assault, uh, dealing drugs, whatever the crime is, drunk driving, if you're arrested, then you're brought back to the jail. At that point, your fingerprints are run. Your fingerprints are sent to all kinds of federal agencies. P see if you have warrants in other places, things like that. What the sheriff does is if you're in the country illegally, they let Immigrations and Customs Enforcement know. And Immigrations and Customs Enforcement will say that individual that you've picked up who was drunk driving or committed a violent assault in your community, they're actually in the country illegally, hold them, don't let them go, we want to pick them up to take them to an immigration hearing. So for all the demagoguing of this program and attacks on our police, that quite frankly, my opponent has been leading the charge on that, if any of you have seen this commercial I've got, that's at the end of the 287G program where she proclaimed herself a racist and said all white people are racist. That was at the end of that hearing. She's been attacking that program relentlessly. And that, what I just described to you, ladies and gentlemen, is a common sense program. It is a program that removes people. They don't do enforcement on the street. There has been terrible demagoguery of this program. If people would just rationally explain it, it is partnering with our federal law enforcement and partnering to remove people who are not supposed to be in the country. They came here, they, script, they skipped their immigration hearings, and then they came to Frederick County and they committed more crimes. 
We don't want to become like Montgomery County and Prince George's County that just open the doors and let those people right back out on the streets. Because what do you think they're going to do when they get back out? They're going to go commit more crime. We have one minute for a rebuttal now from Ms. Pittsburgh. Well, this program uh, has actually resulted in costly lawsuits to the county that do cost taxpayer dollars. Um, so it is something that is important to think about. Um, and again, it does take us out of step with many local law enforcement agencies from across the country. Um, uh, Mr. Huff, your uh, delegation mate and friend Dan Cox um, obviously thinks that I'm out of step with the rest of the nation um, in my position because he said, and I quote, uh, Jessica Fitzwater would allow MS-13 to come to Frederick to cut the hearts out of youth and women. Um, obviously that's not true, but that's what this debate has come to. And I'm wondering, do you support um, your friend Dan Cox for governor, Mr. Huff, based on some of the things that he's been saying in our community? Did my turn. Uh, that's it for that question. However, <laughs> our final question before we move on to the closing comments, and we had a number of people uh, ask specific questions related to things they have heard from each of your campaigns about your opponent. Uh, so we've kind of generalized that to the following. You have each heard and read what your opponent is saying about you during the campaign, and how do you respond to those claims? And on this one, Mr. Huff will go first. Two minutes. Well, most of my opponents' attacks, the, the ads that right now, the dark money groups that the unions are funding against me, they're attacking on national issues. They're actually, they're, they're attacking me right now on abortion. Just so you know, a county executive has nothing to do with abortion law. It is such a false attack because, yes, I have my views and my votes in Annapolis, but if, if my opponent wants to talk about guns, she wants to talk about abortion, maybe she should have run for state senate because a county executive is in charge of things like public safety, roads, schools. We don't need a county executive who's hyper-focused on national issues. You know, that's what happens down in Montgomery County, that every time there's something that they see on MSNBC or on these cable news channels, they run out and they, you know, uh, they, they start a big uh, protest or they, you know, uh, declare actions against another state. Or We don't need that stuff. We need a county executive who's hyper-focused on the local issues. And if you heard today, I think the reason why they don't want to talk about the local issues is because they can't win on that. They can't talk about taxes because look what they've done on taxes. They can't talk about business because look what they've done with business. We talked to small business. Look at the big business. This is a county that drove away Amazon in a $30 billion investment. You want to talk about how I'd fund things? That was $15 million a year because the state was working on that in the city of Brunswick. So I'm well aware of the cash of that. The Brunswick Chamber, uh, head of the chamber, Rick Walden, said with that project, the Amazon data centers, would have been enough to fund every school, every road, and every bridge in Frederick County. So they don't want to talk about businesses, they don't want to talk about taxes, they don't want to talk about spending, and they don't want to talk about our schools. They don't want to talk about what's going on at F FCPS right now, which is also very troubling. I only have a couple of things to get rid of our title, but we need somebody who's focused on the local issues and not all these national issues. And that's the difference between us. I'm leaving state government. I'm walking away from dealing on all these issues because I want to focus on local issues. I care about Frederick County. I love this county, and I want to save it so we don't become uh, nationalized and have all these fringe politics like Montgomery County coming here. And, and now on to Ms. Fitzwater. You've heard and read what your opponent is saying about you during the campaign. How do you respond to their claims? So I haven't heard my opponent say much about what he will do, um, what he will cut if he freezes property taxes, what his vision is for Frederick County. I have heard a lot about Montgomery County. It might be because he's from there, I'm not sure. Um, but I know that we need a leader who can build relationships with our neighbors, that's going to be able to take advantage of the record investments coming to Frederick County and the state of Maryland from federal infrastructure money, um, money for climate change, money for mental health. We need a leader who is has a positive vision for Frederick County that is going to be able to take advantage and meet this moment right now where we are gonna see all of this investment coming into the state of Maryland and to Frederick County. Look, I have been focused on local issues for the past 16 years as an educator and the past eight years on the county council. Every single week in Winchester Hall, that's what we are working on, making sure that we have funding for our students and schools, investing in public safety, making sure we're taking a balanced approach to growth, uh, looking at expanding our senior services, expanding our how we're um, making sure that our communities are safe. That's the focus that I've taken. And let me say, 
Those national issues are state and local issues now because of what the Supreme Court has done. We have to make sure that our basic rights and freedoms are protected. I, I'm concerned about my own daughter, my family members. These things do matter in our community. And to say that, that my opponent, to, for him to say that he is just here to take a moderate stance and to do what's right for Frederick County when he has a record that is anti-women's health care, anti-choice, anti-action on climate change, anti-common sense gun safety laws that keep our kids and communities safe. Um, he has been the one that has been out there working for one of the most extreme members of Congress, um, sponsoring amendments to the state constitution that would criminalize a woman's right to choose. Um, he's taken stances on national issues many, many more times than I have. And one minute rebuttal from Mr. Huff. Yeah, I took stances because I was a, I was a state senator. And again, if you want to work on abortion and gun policy, you should have run for the state senate. If you want to know where I stand on the issues, I've been running a very locally focused campaign because that's what a county executive does. You need to elect a leader who's working on the local issues that matter. Public safety is a local issue, a local issue that does matter. And if you want to talk to somebody who's nationalized public safety, just look at her comments earlier on 287G. She also sent out mailers in the primary saying the sheriff and our deputies, our hardworking de deputies, were sexist, racist, and un-American. This is a person at a county council meeting proclaimed herself to be a racist. This is a fringe politician. This is somebody that we do not need that type of leadership in Frederick County. If you look at me, I have been a bipartisan leader. That's why two of my former chairmen, Democrat leaders in Annapolis, uh, Delegate Joe Valerio and Senator Bobby Zirkin, both endorsed me said Mike is someone we could work with who is a bipartisan leader. So I don't just say bipartisanship, I don't just you know tout it. I have the record. I actually have real endorsements from a, new, a number of Democrat colleagues who worked with me. And one minute for Ms. Pittsburgh. Look, my opponent uh, had to start playing dirty very early. In fact, the only candidate in the entire state of Maryland starting to run negative ads before Labor Day um, Look, I am not a racist, and I did not say those comments in the most artful way, but I do not back down about talking about the fact that we all have implicit bias. Every data set that we collect here in Frederick County from our United Way Alice report, which I'm sure this Rotary Club has heard about, um, from our community health needs assessment, we do have racial disparities in our community, and it is important for us as leaders to talk about that to make sure that we're making life better for everyone in Frederick County. I have worked across the aisle with my colleagues for the past eight years. I have been the one not backing down from tough issues, making sure that we can find common ground so that we can pass legislation and solve problems here in Frederick County. I know how local government works and how to target areas for improvement, and I'm the right person to take on this job as county executive. Uh, thank you both. We've both uh, we have moved through our questions uh, with about two minutes to spare, leaving you enough time for closing comments and uh, wrapping up at 125 as we were aiming. If it is amenable to each of you and to our official timekeeper, um, I will say that we uh, jumped over topics about business growth. And so how about if we had an extra minute, give them each three minutes for a closing comment. And uh, if you would work in some thoughts about uh, the topic of commercial growth and jobs, how you'll support commercial growth in life science, cybersecurity, with businesses that bring major employment with each new business. If each of you agree, uh, we'll do that. And so you'll have three minutes. And for our closing comments, we begin with Ms. Pittswater. So that's two questions there, John. I like how you snuck that in there. Um, Look, I am so proud that we've in, we have attracted some amazing major employers to Frederick County with Kite Pharma and Alum and Kroger bringing high-paying manufacturing jobs to Frederick County. Um, seeing some of these companies put their first investments in the in America in Frederick County, which is really exciting. We brought many high-paying jobs to Frederick County even during COVID. Um, I want to make sure that we take that same approach that turbo fast track permitting and, and the, the type of support those large employers have gotten and also make sure that our small business owners have, have received that same support. You know, I've talked to um, farmers and small business owners that are looking to expand and have had some challenges. So I think we need a small business navigator that can help folks get from point A to point Z with the Office of Economic Development and our planning permitting office to make sure someone's there for them to make their entrepreneurial dreams come true. Uh, I also want to see perhaps an ombudsman on our planning and permitting department because I heard, including from many of you in this room, some of the challenges that you've had, and we want to make sure that we can move those things forward. Um, look, I'm running for Frederick County Executive because Frederick County is truly a special place. 
We have great schools, a thriving economy, a rich history, and a bright future. I know that by investing in our students and our schools today, that we'll have more high-paying jobs coming to Frederick County, more investment, more safer communities and lower crime, and a higher quality of life for every single family that is here in Frederick County. We must meet this moment with the federal uh, legislation and, and, and funding coming to us, the amazing once-of-its-kind blueprint for Maryland's future funding coming to our county. We need somebody who is going to build relationships and not disparage our neighbors south of us. Um, somebody who's going to work with leaders across the state of Maryland to make sure that we get our fair share of those state and federal dollars and that we keep moving Frederick County forward. We can continue to be the best county in the state of Maryland um, for, for my kids, for your kids, and for everybody's future. And we'll move on now. Uh, Mr. Huff, again, your closing comments and incorporating your thoughts about what you would do to support commercial growth. Well, thank you very much for having us here at this debate. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And just let me say, I think we need a mentality change as far as business and the way they're treated in this county. I'll give you one more example. As I said, I, I live down in Brunswick. Well, in Brunswick, there's a guy named Dave Blackman who bought the old fire station there. He invested about a half million dollars in that fire station. The county permitting and department came and said, everything looks good, you're good to go. The last minute, they came and said, nope, nope, you need to add $100,000 to sprinklers. If you've taken all your money, you've taken your life savings, your other business accounts, and you put it all in that one property, you may not have an extra 100000 He did not. We went to the county, please help, please do something, no. Went to the county council, please do something, please help, no answer. So fortunately, the city of Brunswick and came to me, and I worked in the state, and we got, got him uh, $200,000 worth of grants so he could install that sprinkler system and open that business. That shouldn't have happened, by the way. That business has is the old firehouse. He had totally fixed it, added new exits. It's a 20-foot ceiling. A sprinkler system was unnecessary, but that's what we had to deal with in the county and the mindset. We've got to, when somebody wants to opens a small business, the mentality is, how do we get to yes? Not just no, no, no. How do we get to yes? How do we help you succeed? So my plans, though, generally speaking, what I'd like to do as I'm wrapping up, I do want to freeze property taxes. I think we're overtaxed in this county. I believe we need to cut income taxes. We need to build roads. I'm the only person on the stage that supports the expansion of I-270. Governor Hogan has laid out a realistic plan that will work. I support that. My opponent does not. I support putting more money into our schools and having a balanced approach to growth so that we don't overcrowd our schools, so we don't jam in high-density housing into Frederick County that is overcrowding our roads and overcrowding our schools. And finally, I support preserving our farmland. It is so important. It's important just not for the scenic nature, but it's important for the heritage of this county to keep our farmers here who are struggling. To each of you, for your past service to our community, for your willingness to throw your hats in the ring to run for this office, for your joining us today and participating in this forum, let's all show our appreciation.